This episode is brought to you in part by The Table Podcast from the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. I'm Daryl Bach, one of the hosts, and I invite you to join us as we discuss issues of God and culture, which includes anything and everything. Listen on your podcast app or at dts.edu slash the table. You're listening to episode 80. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Of the in-between podcast where you'll discover ideas to build a strong, connected, and joy-filled marriage and family. My name is Daniel M. And I'm Christina M. Oh man, I wish we were Facebook living that because <laughs> you were doing some great shoulder That's action. Right. I got the shimmy, joy, shimmy, joy, shimmy. joy, joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? <laughs> oh man. If you did not grow up singing that song, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. But if you did, hopefully you're shimmying along with us. <laughs> well, That's a great song, Christina, because today we are talking about the four habits of joy-filled marriages. Yes, we had the wonderful opportunity to interview Marcus Warner and Chris Corsi. They are the co-authors of this book, How 15 Minutes a Day Will Help You Stay in Love. Mm. Is it really possible? Do you think 15 minutes a day? <laughs> you know what? I was a bit skeptical right? when we got the it book It sounds a little hocusy-pocusy and yeah. a little bit, right? Yeah, Just it a did. little bit. But the, the book was beautiful enough for us to be like, okay, we got to really check <laughs> yeah, this out. And exactly. as we dug into it and as we engaged in this conversation with Marcus and Chris, we're like, man, these guys are legit. It's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because the other side of it is they're talking about brain science yes. and what brain science has to do with joy and how joy can actually really change our marriages. Yeah. So in a really approachable way, they talked about what the left brain and the right brain have to do with marriages and, and how we can actually fill our marriages with a greater measure of joy. Right. And y'all know us. We like the nitty gritty. We like the practical. Like we want to give you the tools to be able to build strong, joy-filled marriages, right? Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. so they do get into the nitty gritty. Like they're not like, oh, here you go. 15 minutes a day, smile at each other. (laughs) Set your timers and go. They really do, especially in the book, have practical exercises that y'all can do that we can do that will build our marriage. Wait a second. You're right. Our podcast, we do talk about building strong, connected, and joy-filled marriages and family. We should get like a royalty for this book or something. <laughs> or they'll be like, you stole it from us. Yeah. Give us money. Yeah. Chris, Marcus, we're not going to play this interview anymore. <laughs> no, we're just joking. No. Okay. So go to inbetween.org slash episode 80. If you want to follow along, get the show notes for this. But without further ado, let's listen to the interview. Well, Chris and Marcus, we are so glad that you're with us for the podcast today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, get a chance to connect. Yes. Thank you for having us. We're very excited about our time together. All right. Well, the first individual that talked, that's Marcus. Marcus, say hi, just so our listeners know. (laughs) Yeah, this is Marcus. Hi. All right. And the other voice is Chris. (laughs) Hi. There you go. Perfect. Voice recognition. (laughs) Well, let's let's jump straight into the questions. And for those who haven't picked up a copy of The Four Habits of Joyful Marriages, if you were to just open up and begin reading the introduction, you'd begin seeing that there's this language around brain science. And, and there's it, it's just it's a fascinating introduction, yeah, yeah. even if you're just to flip through the first couple pages on the Amazon preview. So, so why don't you guys start with that? Uh, and share some of the discoveries in brain 
brain science that led you to write this book? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Chris and I both uh, learned most of our brain science from Dr. Jim Wilder. And uh, Jim was a uh, the head of a, a counseling um, group in Southern California that was dealing with some of the most advanced counseling uh, cases in the entire region. And early on, he got connected to da- Dr. An- Daniel, uh, am I saying that? Dr. Alan Shore. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, early on began working with the uh, new attachment science that was coming out of there, the ability to, to look at the brain with a 3D scanner instead of uh, simply uh, waiting till someone died and doing an autopsy. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. that, that technology breakthrough that allowed um, scientists to observe the brain in real-time function is what has led to this brain revolution. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dr. Wilder was on the cutting edge of that back in the early 90s. Yeah, and and the great thing about uh, what Dr. Wilder was able to do is Dr. Shore from from UCLA, he was uh, about to publish, actually, eventually it'd be three, a series of three very big books on all this brain research. And before he published these these works, uh, Jim was able to have access to all of his audio teachings. Mm. And so for a number of years, we were kind of sitting on this information and what what Dr. Wilder did was basically took all this research and put it into English and kind you know kind of translate it because it's a lot of medical and technical science that's not bedtime reading and <laughs> well and, it is if you want and, to go and, to bed right you know, exactly <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> that's exactly right and and Marcus and I then have kind of tr- kind of interpreted for Jim um, a whole another level to make it even more practical so we've. We've just had the the really the joy of of working together and just trying to make this 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 material very practical for for couples. Yeah. So we've basically gone from talking about cingulate cortexes and amygdalas and the nucleus accumbens to talking about joy buckets and on off switches and you know the brain magnets and trying to make it as easily understood as possible. Okay. Okay. So, so we're going to get into the joy gap, uh, and talk about this whole idea of joy because that's, that's really the topic of the book, but just, just to, um, maybe you can help our listeners just get in us as well, uh, get a little bit more of a foundational, maybe summary of some of that brain research, and then we'll dig into the, the joy pieces of that. Right. And maybe some of that, how does that brain research apply to marriage? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, let me uh, just start with uh, the way we describe the operation of the brain. It's like, you know, if you take the your brain out of your head, <laughs> out of the top of your head, it would flop into two, right? You got a left side and a right side. Mm-hmm. And they work very differently. They have very different operating systems. Um, on the right side of your brain is where most of your relational circuitry is. And so um, if I want to be relationally engaged with you, my right brain has to be functioning. Mm. So we uh, identify, first of all, that the deepest part of the function on that side of the brain is attachment. It's the desire to be attached to somebody and specifically the desire to be attached in joy with somebody and not in fear with them. Uh, Because what happens with the brain is it will either attach in joy or it will attach in fear. Okay. Okay. that becomes the big uh, challenge in marriage is that we all get married believing we're going to have more joy with this person than we than not. And too often early in the marriage, that attachment begins to morph into a fear bond instead of a joy bond. Mm. It's all about, well, how did that happen? Mm-hmm. And what do we get the joy back? So the, we also talk about an on-off switch. And the idea behind the on-off switch is 
how do we get these relational circuits on when they shut off? Hmm. Because when they go off, I literally turn into a different person. You know, I've been talking to my wife and she'll, uh, and she'll go, who are you? You know, <laughs> who are you? What happened? Am I married? You know, it's like, you're not acting like yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a sure, clear sign that my, uh, my relational circuits are off. And if they're off, then I do not get access to uh, the joy bucket, which we call, which is the, actually the joy center of your brain. Mm-hmm. And so we talk a lot about the on off switch because um, for me to have a joyful attachment with someone, this switch has to be on, my relational circuits need to be engaged, and I need to have access to the joy center in my brain, which is literally located right behind your right eye. Hmm. And then on top of all that, on the left side of the brain is where I craft narratives. And we all have a narrative about the person we're married to. Mm-hmm. And if that narrative becomes negative, it becomes very easy to form a fear bond instead of a joy bond. Wow. So that's the big picture nutshell of what's happening in the brain science. Um, I'm sure Chris can add volume. To that. <laughs> yeah. Well, the one, the one fun detail, I mean, Marcus just summarized amazing years of amazing research. Really I mean, this, a, this is really, yeah. 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 I mean, he just, he just did a great job there. And the the joy bucket, as Marcus said, is is behind our our right eye. That's actually the part of the brain when they used to do lobotomies back in the old days to try to fix whether it was depressions or or uh, depression or seizures. They in the old days they used to actually knock that part of the brain off off. They would damage it okay. permanently, which is not a good deal because this <laughs> is our joy bucket, right? So this oh. is the part of the brain that when you walk into a room and you see a face light up to see you, this is the part of the brain that's actually lighting up and getting stronger with every joy moment, every joy encounter. Uh, this is a part of the brain that grows, and it can grow up to to be one-third of the human brain. So oh, really? it, it is an amazing, amazing part of the brain that, um, yeah, can grow throughout your lifespan. So this is really good news for all of us, no matter where our marriage is. Like, there, hope is just around the corner. Mm-hmm. And that's what Marcus and I want to, to kind of spread that message. Perfect. Well, um, y'all have talked a lot about the word joy. I've heard the joy um, bucket as well as like the part in our brain where, you know, we can really receive joy and also can, you know, even grow in that part of our brain. And then you'll also talk about the term joy gap in your book. That was fascinating. I've never heard about that before. Do you mind explaining that more to us and what that is? And, um, you know, with the gap, does that mean, you know, that something is missing or something can be filled into that gap, if you can just, you know, tease it out for us a little bit more. Yeah, certainly. The uh, joy gap is literally just the amount of time between experiences of joy. So like if you and Daniel go hours between sharing moments of joy together, you're going to have a joy-filled marriage. Hmm. But if you're going weeks or months between moments of sharing joy together, you're going to have a really low joy marriage. So it's literally a measurement of time. So the longer the time is between uh, experiencing joy together, the easier it is for that gap that that gets created to fill with negative things. And it tends to fill with resentment, tends to fill with fear. Um, it tends to fill with a narrative about what the other person is like and why uh, there isn't as much joy as you expected. And so a lot of negatives begin developing the, the wider that joy gap gets. So our goal is to try to give people practical strategies for shrinking the joy gap in their marriage so that they're experiencing joy together more regularly. 
Yes, and 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 we define joy as you are the sparkle in someone else's eyes. Oh, that's like, a good definition. You, know, <laughs> you you someone lights up to see you when you walk into a room because it's you, and mm. and so joy is you you the best way for the brain to build joy is I see it on your face, then I then the next best is I hear it in your voice, and then I I see it in your body language, in your gestures, and your movements, like your emotional brain that Marcus is talking about is pretty much is largely nonverbal mm. and so that means that I pay attention to all of these nonverbal cues um, now of course we want the words to match but our but our emotional brain will will put a lot of weight on what I see what I hear what I feel and and that so joy is a very genuine authentic glad to be with you moment. Oh, okay. Well, I have a question in following up with that as well, because as um, y'all know, we have children and a lot of our listeners have children as well. Now, I know your book is about marriages and having, you know, joy-filled marriages. Do you also think that as a, you know, spouse in relation to each other, having that joy and our children seeing that as well, would they be able to grow in their own joy centers by seeing their parents getting along or showing affection? Like, does that have any almost like reciprocal um, benefit to it? Yes, absolutely. The uh, We talked about the relational circuits on the right side of the brain, and those are comprised of what are called mirror neurons. And what that means is that they don't learn from words and they don't learn verbally. They learn by watching. Hmm. Really? And so the primary core of a child's identity, uh, primary way that a child learns about joy is is by watching it. And so one of the uh, really uh, key benefits that they learn is how to return to joy from upset emotions. Hmm. So if parents are constantly fighting and they have no ability to recover from that and get back together, then that creates a tremendous amount of fear for a child, whether that's anger is directed at the child or not. But if the parents are living with a lot of joy, then that creates a tremendous amount of security um, for children. So, yeah, it, it absolutely has a direct connection. Yes, and and you, your brain is basically an amplifier. So your children are basically soaking up whatever's in the environment. And so when they see mommy and daddy building joy and amplifying joy, their brain is like a sponge. And it even gets better when we include our children mm-hmm. in in the joy. And I can remember just a couple of weeks back, one one of my sons uh, said to my wife, "What, mommy? Why are you and daddy always smiling at each other?" You know, they were like, what is it about you, you weird people that you are just so happy to be together? And, and what that told me was that was actually very revealing, like, okay, these, these little, little eyes are watching, these little ears are listening. And so, um, you know, we can, there's a lot, the good news about joy is um, it it spreads, it's contagious. So when children see mommy and daddy building joy, then their brain will also build joy and amplify it. And that's that's just a win-win. Yeah, totally. I always joke, well, Daniel and I, when we're like, you know, PDAs or whatever and hugging and kissing in front of our children, they're like covering their eyes, but they're also giggling. <laughs> like they're like, yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and then all, at the same time. And it's like we're magnets. They all come yeah. and we're like, oh. Sharing that joy, I <laughs> yep. guess, right? Yeah. We're creating joyful moments yep. for them. Okay, group hug time. Yep. <laughs> uh, exactly. Yeah. They they want to be part of the fun. Yeah. Yep. 
That's so good. Yeah. That's so good. Well, you guys talk about, um, yeah, the, the joy gap, right? So returning back to that joy gap in this book, you talk about four habits that shrink that joy gap. And, and you have these 15 minute practical exercises that spouses can do to, to practice our emotion, emotional, spiritual, and physical connection. So, so before we get to those exercises, why don't you walk us through those four habits uh, and then maybe as you do that, you can give us some examples of those exercises. Yeah, we'd be happy to. Um, the uh, To make them simple to re- and easy to remember, we use the word plan, right? Mm-hmm. Is I need a plan for shrinking the joy gap. Oh, perfect. And nice. so, um, P-L-A-N is, uh, the first one is play together. And a lot of studies have shown that uh, couples that play together uh, they form a solid friendship in their marriage and that friendship foundation um, can see them through a lot of hard stuff. So playing together, it's kind of funny how easy it is in our marriages for it to go from being about joy to just being about business. Right. Kind of like, you know, who's going to take care of the kids? Who's going to take care of the bills? Who's going to take care of this? And a lot of times, you know, we're, uh, uh, we're so busy during the day that the first time that we're alone together is at night when we go to bed. Mm-hmm. And so our bed becomes the boardroom <laughs> and we're, uh, and that's where we're rehashing. And so we're lying in bed together because it's the first time we've been quiet all night, all, all day for a lot of us. Mm-hmm. And so that's when we discuss our problems and we're talking about, well, what are we going to do about this problem? That problem it makes it very difficult to sleep and doesn't, you know, exactly create a great atmosphere for sex. So, <laughs> right. so, uh, well, one of the things we try to do is is separate out when is the time to talk about problems and when is the time to play. Mm. And, uh, we put um, relational sex as one of the ways that couples play together. That's right. There you and, go. Yeah, we define it as relational sex versus performance sex. Okay. Because performance sex can take the joy right out of your marriage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. uh, but relational uh, sex is part of that playing together well. So um, um, anyway, the second one's listening for emotions. I mean, Chris, you want to tell them about that one? Oh, yeah. You know, Marcus and I um, introduced listening for emotion um, where you're, you're the right side of your brain, your emotional brain is, is really all about emotion, whereas your left side of the brain is more about details. And as Marcus and I say in the book, it's, it tends to be the problem solver uh, part of the brain. And so what tends to happen with a lot of couples is when when there's interactions, um, one spouse, often us, us guys, us men, um, will tend to listen for problems that we can fix mm-hmm. rather than listening for the, um, the emotions that our spouse is experiencing. And so we go right into problem-solving mode, which tends to minimize our our spouse, right? Because the moment we shift into solving problems, our spouse isn't feeling seen, isn't feeling validated, isn't feeling understood, which then it's easy for problems to become bigger than relationships when that happens. And so Marcus and I in the book talk about uh, VCR, which stands for validation, comfort, and um, is it repattern, Marcus? I'm trying to remember what we call yeah, the R. Repattern is rare leadership. Right? This is recover, I think. So, yeah. Recover, thank you. Yeah, Marcus <laughs> wrote a leadership book. That's that's awesome. But we shifted the word on that, and I was confused. But basically, VCR, just I, a validation is I say what I see. So when my, my wife is telling me about a hard moment uh, on on the way home from work where she was stuck in traffic or somebody cut her off, validation would say, wow. I can see why that'd be really frustrating for you, mm-hmm. right? And just 
instead of saying, well, why didn't you just drive faster, right? <laughs> Which mm. wouldn't feel very good. Right. So validation says, well, yeah, I would be upset too if that happened to me. And then comfort would be, hey, what do you need right now? You're really upset. What would help? Um, you know, so we're we're actually helping our partner to feel connected and understood, which increases joy because we're focused on the relationship. The wait is over. Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. Hi, I'm Mike Naraki, co-creator of VeggieTales, voice of Larry the Cucumber, and author of The Dead Sea Squirrels. Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the kidnapped Gomez family out of Babylon, a Bible-themed amusement park with talking animals. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books. Available wherever books are sold. So the third pen is uh, Appreciate Daily. And one of the things we found is that there's a difference between just saying thank you and actually sharing appreciation. Saying thank you is actually sort of a left brain task. You know, okay, you gave me this piece of pie. Thank you. That was nice. And my appreciation lasts about two seconds, right? Because I'm actually just doing a left brain task that isn't relational. But appreciation is something that I feel and experience on the right side of my brain that has a physical impact on my body. And so the goal is to um, share words with each other and share experiences that that I feel appreciation about this other person, that I express appreciation to them. But it can go beyond appreciating that person to just sharing things that you appreciate with each other. Now, sometimes, uh, uh, you know, if my wife is really enjoying some beautiful scenery and I'm preoccupied with, you know, some problem I'm trying to solve in my brain, she can feel very unvalidated, unlistened to if she's talking about, oh, isn't that beautiful? And I'm like, yeah, that's great. You know, and I give her, <laughs> yeah. you know. Uh, this two sentence left brain response. So appreciating daily means actually entering into a uh, time together where you feel a, this connection together and you're feeling that appreciation at the same time. Mm. And so it, it's more than just saying thank you. It's going that next step to practice appreciation with the other person. And Chris has, has written exercises for all of these. So one of the, the things that's unique about the book is that it's, it's filled with 15 minute a day exercises that can actually help you practice each of these habits. And so Chris and his wife, Jen, you know, developed those and, and practiced them. And, and uh, they've, uh, they add a lot of uh, a unique dimension to this book. Right. So before we go on to the fourth one, um, for those who have not picked up a copy yet, can you explain like those 15 minutes, for example, like do you choose the, you know, start with P and you practice those for a week and then you go on to L or are you supposed to mix and match? Like what's the best way to take advantage of all these practices? Yeah, good good question. So really uh, couples could basically could start anywhere with the exercises, but Marcus and I uh we we put the exercises in specific exercises for each of the habits. So there's corresponding exercises that fit for that habit, but um and there's a bunch of exercises at the end of the book. So we kind of encourage couples to hey, choose an exercise that feels right for you this evening. Uh, just the other night my wife and I Uh, did an exercise and I let her pick. I just gave her the book. I said, okay, you know, pick an exercise that, that you feel like doing. And we, we, 
we brought it down to two and then we just chose one from there. So there's some couples who really like to go in the chronological order, which they could that, uh, you know, fits with the chapters. But in truth, uh, I encourage couples, hey, you know, pick some pick a fun exercise that that feel that matches your energy level this evening and and just that that fits for where you're feeling. And that kind of gives couples a lot of flexibility because they're all they're all going to be helpful for building some joy. That's good. I'd also point out there can be a lot of skepticism about can 15 minutes a day really make that big of a difference. Mm. But from a brain perspective, what's happening here is that you're turning that brain switch from off to on and and you're doing it together and you're creating an intentional moment of joy together. And if you can stay connected in joy with uh, another person for five minutes, it makes a difference. Okay. If you can really? connect it for 10 minutes, it makes a bigger difference. So it's amazing how much impact uh, 15 minutes a day can make because you're probably not going to spend that whole 15 minutes in a state of joy. So it takes So we're using 15 minutes to try to get you five minutes of joy. That <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. And, yes. Yeah. So the, but the, the reality is that even feeling joyfully connected to somebody for five minutes hmm. calms our body. It, it, it makes us less anxious. It increases our, um, both our peace and our joy. So it's a good, it's a win-win. Great. Yes. Right. And, and we're very specific in the exercises where we actually have steps like, you know, holding hands, doing some joy and even doing some quieting um, so that we, you know, the goal is to kind of deepen the bond and, and Marcus is exactly right. You know, there's there's been many times where my wife might be, you know, really ready and riled up to do an exercise and I'm tired. I'm like, well, honey, why don't, you know, I don't know. I'm feeling really tired. The moment we do the exercise, my relational switch comes back online and I'm like, oh my goodness, that was a blast. Why don't we do this all the time? Like, you know. So that's that's really couples will can feel that difference when that switch is off, when the switch is on, and it's and it really is a night and day difference. Well, I think that's really key what you were talking about because sometimes even the things that are best for us, like let's say working out or eating yes. well, um, we don't want to yeah. do. <laughs> Right. But after you do them, then you feel so much better. You're healthier. And so that's the same as, you know, these practices and and working on our marriage. So for those who are really result driven, because I'm sort of that kind of person, too, and they're listening to this, they're like, okay, Marcus and Chris, I get that we're going to do 15 minutes a day, blah, blah, blah. But how long is it going to take until I can take my marriage, let's say one out of a 10, like a three, maybe four kind of average on a good day to like, you know, we want to hold hands and hang out all the time. Like how long will that take? Is that per couple? Is that, you know, you should do 15 minutes for three weeks and you've created a habit and now, you know, go on your merry way or is there a little bit more to it? Well, that's a great question. Um, you know, and in, in it kind of depends on where a couple's at. But one of the points that, that Marcus and I make in the book is, look, joy's not going to fix all your problems. There's there's mm-hmm. some problems that are going to need some specialized tools. However, what joy does is it increases your emotional capacity and your resilience to better navigate 
the the hard stuff. So if you have a couple who's very actively building joy and spending time in joy and rest and, and even doing these exercises, what you're going to find is you're going to see two people who smile more often. They feel more connected. They feel better equipped to navigate the hard stuff. And they're training their brains and their nervous system to really amplify the good things in their environment. Because when my brain's not trained on joy, then I amplify the bad stuff. Oh. So I find out, I find what's wrong and I become critical. And you can have a, a, a great day, but one thing goes wrong and then your brain focuses on the one thing that went wrong. So, so what Marks and I talk about really is helping couples to, you know, do those exercises and you feel the difference when you do them and a little joy goes a long way. So it's, you know, it's pretty remarkable. Like a lot of people don't believe Marcus and I, when we, when we say these are 15 minute exercises, they're like, really what's 15 minutes going to do? Well, you know what? A little bit of joy goes a long way. And so far, a lot of the feedback that we've had on the book is couples are pleasantly surprised that uh, that the practice really did make a difference in both how they interact, how they feel, and just how things go um, between them in, yeah. in a marriage. So it's, it's been really neat to see, but we... We also tell people, hey, don't take our word for it. You sit down with your spouse, build some joy, and then you watch what happens. Yeah, completely, completely. So this has been this has been awesome, right? So habit one is play together. Habit two is listen for emotion. Habit three is appreciate daily. Uh, Marcus, why don't you explain habit four for us, nurture rhythm? Yeah, nurturing rhythm is about the fact that you not only need high energy joy, you need low energy rest. And that rest can also be relational. You know, some of our, you know, finest times can be just snuggling with the other person and not feeling like you got to do anything, you know. Um, And having a rhythm to life goes beyond that. So part of it is high energy joy and low energy rest. But part of it also is just having a a rhythm that resembles something like Sabbath. Um, They did a study of the happiest places to live in the world. And what they what what connected the ones that are always at the top of that list is that there is a relational rhythm to life, where people know that they can count on relational connectedness um, mm-hmm. at, at at certain times. Whereas in America, we tend to be just work 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 play 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 collapse, <laughs> and there's not always right. the relational rhythm that it that gets created. And so we find that that uh, sustainability requires adequate rest as well as adequate joy. Yeah. 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 It's really hard to build joy when you're exhausted. You know, if you, (laughs) when you're tired, you, you, you want to rest. You really don't want to build joy. So, so just having that rhythm of joy and rest really does make a difference. That's awesome. Perfect. So, um, our final question, Marcus and Chris, and if you could, um, uh, you know, maybe share some encouragement for the marriage that maybe one spouse is really wanting to work on it, wanting to increase uh, their joy and wanting to decrease the joy gap, but the other spouse is just not having it. You know, maybe they say, let's try this 15 minute exercise and the other one's like, what's the point? Or I'm too tired or whatnot. What could you, or what would you want to say to that partner that is just feeling really discouraged right now? No, that's sadly far more common than uh, we might think, because a lot of times you feel like you're the only one trying and sometimes you are. And so it it does create a big uh, challenge. What I found is, um, 
you know, for women, especially who are trying to get their husbands engaged, one of the advantages of a book like this is that it's based on brain science and there's practical things you can actually do. Sometimes people feel hopeless because they feel like no matter what they do, it isn't going to be good enough. So they just mm-hmm. try. Um, and so it can be helpful for people to say, hey, let's just experiment with it. Let's just do, one, you know, a couple um, and see. It, it, it's hard, though. It's it's a little bit like, you know, trying to convince anybody of anything they don't want to do. I mean, right. You really ought to watch this show. You'll like it. No, nah, I don't want to. You know, so. Um, it can take some time, and that is a challenge. But uh, the good news is that you know, if they'll give it a try, most guys end up liking it more than they think they will. Yeah, that's exactly right, Marcus. And uh, you know, I spend a lot of time on airplanes, and and they always tell me when there's turbulence, put on the oxygen mask yourself first before mm-hmm. you try to put it on people around you. And and so I would encourage you know the couples out there who are struggling, you know, as the putting on the action mask for yourself first means that you're starting to practice some joy and and you know there's certain habits like the appreciation habit there's a lot of that you can do on your own you can even practice with friends and you can practice with your spouse as much as your spouse is willing but i would instead of trying to force and cram the book down your spouse's throat you know extend those invitations and what tends to happen is when that spouse sees the the difference in you there's some credibility that starts to happen. Right. So we put the invitation out there. We put the the plate of food on the table and we invite our spouse to join in. And in the meantime, we're going to start practicing some joy uh, in our own lives so that we can um, just begin to make a difference for ourselves, which will then spill and leak into our marriage and our family. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you, Marcus and Chris, for being on the podcast with us. They are the authors, uh, co-authors of The Four Habits of Joy-Filled Marriage, Marriages. And I have to, I have to say the subtitle because it's, yeah. it's really long, but it's also incredibly awesome. Yes, right. and very informative. <laughs> How 15 minutes a day will help you stay in love, brain science hacks that boost your emotional, spiritual, and physical connection. So we're going to have links to all this in our show notes in between dot org slash episode 80. But Marcus and Chris, what's the best way that our listeners can get a hold of you? Well, they can get a hold of uh, me. This is Marcus at uh, deeperwalkinternational.org. Um, I am primarily uh, engaged with uh, uh, Christian organizations and ministries. So we, uh, I'm at churches a lot. Um, and so you'll find a lot of resources there related to discipleship in general. But um, that our book is also available at our online store there. Yes, and and my wife and I run a ministry called Thrive Today, and uh, we train the relational skills, and so folks can visit thrivetoday.org, thrivetoday.org, that's my website, and then Marcus and I both have a a website for the book, that's happyhappymarriage.org, and uh, there's more resources with online opportunities for, for couples who want to practice uh, the 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 book with other couples online and go through some curriculum and video materials. So there's there's a lot of good stuff there. Perfect. Well, thanks again, guys. Episode eighty. Oh my goodness! Right. That was crazy. So good. Yeah, and I mean, all the I I loved your question at the top, Christina, where you were saying, okay, talk to us about brain science, give us a little bit more, but also how does that relate to marriage? Mm -hmm. And your question about the kids. Yes. Because we've always been trying to figure that out. We were like, oh, kids, you know, 
is it good that we're showing all this PDA in front of them? Is it not? And I guess it is right, a good thing. Right, because they so, seem like they really... On, <laughs> More kissing in the kitchen. Let's go. <laughs> That's right. Well, speaking of that, I also did like how they were talking about how the husband and wife can take... Um, can take opportunities to choose exercises from different chapters and all of that rather than just maybe one spouse choosing so because i can imagine maybe one spouse thinks playing is a lot more Mm -hmm. enjoyable than maybe you know resting together not doing anything okay i don't know if you're talking about me or not but i was looking at this book and i was like christina we should do this like every day and i'll start with the first one which is play play together and here it is all right I'm okay i'm ready i'm ready just between us it's a 15 minute exercise okay I, you know might be longer but uh <laughs> not a 15 minute man <laughs> nope all right so <laughs> here's the number one you'll want some privacy for this exercise i already like it okay, okay. even better now Door in shut. brackets you can wear your birthday suit if you like oh okay so this is they said this is going to take three minutes while lying in bed holding each other start by sharing some highlights from your day Okay. He said, note, avoid talking about anything upsetting. Right. Okay. Number two, spend some time. So this is now the next three minutes. Spend some time caressing each other while you share stories about your favorite intimate moments together. Include specifics about what made this time meaningful (laughs) for you. All right. Uh, Number three, which is the next three minutes, take some time to cuddle and quiet without caressing. Uh, and quiet without caressing while you both place a hand on your partner's chest to feel his or her heartbeat. Mm. <laughs> and then the next one says three minutes. Uh, you know, now continue caressing, continue the caressing for another several minutes, followed by cuddling while you take turns listening to each other's heartbeat. Then go to bed. Nope. <laughs> Enjoy some relational sexual intimacy that brings you both smiles and satisfaction. Ah. And the brackets here is take as much time as you need for this step. There you (laughs) go. And then lastly, last three minutes, have some time to rest. Then close by expressing appreciation to your spouse about about what you enjoy about his or her heart, mind, and body. Oh. Right? Yes. I mean. Completely. Well, and speaking from a woman's point of view. Um, I'm sure the guys is like this as mm-hmm. well. But after being so intimate, like if you are, you know, I love when you're like, oh, you're so beautiful and you're so pretty. And like, I love your body and mm-hmm. all of that. Like, especially because, you know, sometimes <sighs> women struggle with their bodies, mm-hmm. right? And we're like, I don't, I don't feel as, you know, uh, pretty yeah. as I used to, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. Like all the lies that we believe sometimes. And so even taking that three minutes afterwards and cuddling and hearing those affirmations, I think will mean a lot. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So that's, I mean, the, the gold in the book is all of it, right? But when you look at all the exercises afterwards, and that's just one of many in each of the chapters, you're just going to, it's just so practical. It's just so practical taking 15 minutes a day to increase the joy decrease the joy gap, increase the joy in your marriage. So be sure to pick up a copy of this book, The Four Habits of Joy-Filled Marriages. And if you go to inbetween.org slash episode 80, every single link and resource and everything that we've talked about in this podcast, including some amazing shareable images are on there as well. So inbetween.org slash episode 78. And maybe maybe as you were listening to this, someone came to mind. And maybe you don't listen. I, we know that some of our listeners, you that you listen to this with your spouse and others don't. So if your spouse doesn't listen to this podcast, shoot them a link to this one, right? Be like, hey, let's do this one. Hey, on our on our date night this week, 
Let's listen to this and then talk about it. Inbetween.org slash episode 80. All you got to do is text them that link. Or if you're on your podcasting app, just hit share and send that over to them. All right. We'd be uh, honored if you would do so, so that you would also be able to experience that joy-filled marriage and uh, and have that joy-filled family as well. All right. So that brings us to a wrap for this episode. Next week, Christina, what are we going to be talking about? So our first episode of 2020 is going to be talking about how to set goals and achieve them. It's the perfect episode to start the decade off with a bang. And we also have a very special announcement to make. So make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss this episode. This episode was brought to you in part by the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast, an outreach dedicated to bringing joy, strength, intimacy, and purpose to couples seeking growth. Be sure to visit enneagramandmarriage.com to find your chemistry together again, or for the very first time.